For our song of thanksgiving, we turn in our hymnals to number 286. Number 286, with grateful heart my thanks I bring, before the great thy praise I sing. We're going to sing all four verses, number 286, and let's stand together as we sing. Tonight, God's Word comes to us from Genesis chapter 18 and chapter 19. We have a rather long reading of God's Word this evening, but I really believe this belongs together for us to see what God is doing here. So we are going to begin our reading at Genesis chapter 18 and verse 16. What we hear now is God's Word. Then the men set out from there, and they looked down towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to set them on their way. The Lord said, 
Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have chosen him, that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me, and if not, I will know. So the men turned from there and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood still, still stood before the Lord. Then Abraham drew near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are fifty righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the fifty righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom fifty righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Abraham answered and said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord, I who am dust and ashes. Suppose five of the fifty righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find forty-five there. Again he spoke to him and said, Suppose forty are found there. He answered, For the sake of forty, I will not do it. And he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Suppose thirty are found there. He answered, I will not do it if I find thirty there. He said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose twenty are found there. He answered, For the sake of twenty, I will not destroy it. Then he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak again but once. Suppose ten are found there. He answered, For the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way when he finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the earth and said, My lords, please turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise up early and go on your way. They said, No, we will spend the night in the town square. But he pressed them strongly, so they turned aside to him and entered his house. And he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house. And they called to Lot, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us, that we may know them. Lot went out to the Lot went out to the men at the entrance, shut the door after him, and said, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you and do to them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. And they said, Stand back. And they said, This fellow came to sojourn, and he has become the judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. 
Then they pressed hard against the man Lot and drew near to break the door down. But the men reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck with blindness the men who were at the entrance of the house, both small and great. So they wore themselves out, groping for the door. Then the men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here, sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone you have in the city? Bring them out of this place. For we are about to destroy this place because of the outcry against his people has become great before the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and said to his sons-in-law, who were to marry his daughters, Up, get out of this place, for the Lord is about to destroy the city. But he seemed to his sons-in-law to be jesting. As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he lingered. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city. And as they brought them out, one said, Escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. And Lot said to them, O oh, no, my lords. Behold, your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have shown me great kindness in saving my life. But I cannot escape to the hills, lest the disaster overtake me and I die. Behold, this city is near enough to flee to. And there's a little one. Let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my life will be saved. He said to him, Behold, I grant you this favor also, that I will not overthrow the city of which you have spoken. Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing till you arrive there. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. And he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the valley and he looked, and behold, the smoke of the land went up like the smoke of a furnace. So it was when God destroyed the cities of the valley. God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had lived. Now Lot went up out of Zoar and lived in the hills with his two daughters, for he was afraid to live in Zoar. So he lived in a cave with his two daughters. And the firstborn said to the younger, our father is old, and there is not a man on earth to come into us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him that we may preserve offspring from our father. So they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father. He did not know when she lay down or when she arose. And the next day the firstborn said to the younger, Behold, I lay last night with my father. Let us make him drink wine tonight also. Then you go in and lie with him, that we may preserve offspring from our father. So they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him. And he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. Thus both the daughters of Lot became pregnant by their father. The firstborn bore a son and called him Moab. He is the father of the Moabites to this day. The younger also bore a son and called his name Ben-Ami. 
He is the father of the Ammonites to this day. And here we end the reading of God's holy word. In our study of the book of Genesis, we come tonight to one of the most graphic, one of the most ugly stories in the text. The story of the judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah, that name uh, resonates even with those who know nothing of the Scriptures. If you ask someone uh, on the street, hey, who was Melchizedek? They probably couldn't tell you. But if you asked, have you ever heard of Sodom and Gomorrah? The judgment of God was so epic that even the world knows that name, Sodom and Gomorrah. The name of that wicked city continues to live in the sin of sodomy. Our text today is a picture of judgment, a picture of destruction. It is a terrible image. But as we look at this text of God coming to judge the wicked, we must not miss the fact that this judgment comes in the context of God's patience and of His mercy. God is not a vengeful God, but He is a just God. I said that chapter 18 could be uh, divided into the two questions we have there. In verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? We talked about that last time, God's power to take care of every circumstance. And this second section of the text, found in verse 25, shall not the judge of all the earth, do what is just. Tonight we're going to talk about God's justice. And God as the judge who meets out justice. We will see the character of that judge. That he is a patient judge, he is a just judge, and he is a righteous judge. We begin with the patience of the judge. God comes to Abraham and tells him what he's going to do. And when Abraham hears this, he begins to bargain with God. Look at chapter 18, verse 22. So the men turned from there and went towards Sodom, but Abraham still stood before the Lord. Then Abraham drew near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you sweep away the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who are there? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? Abraham comes and begins to bargain with God. God has told him that he is going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and, and Abraham says, but wait a minute, God. If there are 50 people who are righteous, surely you want to destroy the righteous with the wicked. And God grants that request. Abraham speaks again, well, maybe there won't be 50 who are there. Maybe there'll be five less. Maybe there'll be 45 who are there. Would you still destroy the whole city? And God says, no, I won't do that. And Abraham continues to bargain with God. Well, what if there's 40 there? What if there's 30 there? What if there's 20 there? God, what if all we can find is 10 righteous people there? And God says, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy the city. 
the patience of God in listening to his servant Abraham, the patience as Abraham speaks again and again and again. And God continues to grant his request for the sake of 40 or 30 or 20 or 10. I will not destroy the righteous with the wicked. God's patience is seen toward Abraham. God's patience is seen toward Lot. Look at uh, chapter 19, verse 12. The men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here, sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone you have in the city? Bring them out of this place. For we are about to destroy this place because the outcry against its people has become great before the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. God comes to Lot and warns him and says, Get your family together and get out because judgment is coming. Now God owed nothing to Lot. He didn't have to do that. But he graciously sends his messengers to warn him and to warn his family. Get out, because judgment is coming. And amazingly, although God is so patient with Lot, Lot doesn't get out right away. Look at verse 15. As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, up, take your wife. Now, he had gone to speak with his sons-in-law, but evidently after that, came back to his house and stayed there for the night. He'd been warned, get out, for judgment is coming. But he spends the night yet in Sodom and Gomorrah. In verse 16, but he lingered. He wouldn't leave. Even in the morning, the angels say, get out, and he lingers yet. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful. And they brought him out and set him outside the city. Lot and his family have to be dragged out to safety. God is so patient. Yes, he is a God of judgment, but a God whose judgment comes in the context of mercy. God was merciful to him. And even then, when he's dragged out of the city and he's told, go flee to the mountains, even then, Lot wants to talk back. Verse 17, they brought him out and one said, escape for your life. Don't look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. And Lot says, oh no, my lords. Behold, your servant has found favor in your sight. You have shown me great kindness. I can't escape to the hills. Let me just go to this nearby city. As he's being dragged out, he's trying to find a way to stay. And they say, we will, we will grant you this favor also and not overflow, overthrow that city. The patience and the mercy of the judge. He, he is patient. He deals with Abraham. He is patient. He deals with Lot, finally dragging him out of the city and even then allowing him to go just a little farther away that he might be safe. The judge. The judge is a patient judge. He is a just judge. Go back to chapter 18 and verse 20. 18 and verse 20. The Lord said... Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave, I will go down 
to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me, and if not, I will know. God says, I will go down to investigate what's going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. Children, did God need to go down to find out what was going on? Of course not. God knew what was taking place in Sodom and Gomorrah. Our text says this, to demonstrate the justice of God. It's not as if God woke up one morning and said, you know, I just really feel like destroying something today. Oh, Sodom and Gomorrah, I guess I'm going to destroy you. No, it shows his justice. He is, he is making a case against them. I will see for myself, as if he didn't know already, I will see for myself if it's as bad as the outcry has come to me. And, then, and so he sends the angels. And it's exactly what they find. Verse, chapter 19, verse 2. And uh, Lot says, uh, My lords, please stay aside at your servant's house. Spend the night, wash your feet. You may rise up in the early in the morning and go. No, we'll spend the night in the square. And they pressed him strongly, and he would turn aside to his house, and he made a feast and baked bread. And before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house and they called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out that we may know them. They wanted to violate these men. It was as bad as they had heard. The angels saw firsthand what was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. They saw, they saw the depravity they saw the sins of their hearts overflowing in the depravity of their bodies. God, in, Rome, or in Romans chapter 1, Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit, says, God gave them over to the sinful desires of their hearts. These men were given over to wickedness because that was what they, what they desired. God is just in bringing this judgment. And, and even Lot, although he escapes the judgment. He is affected by the sin around him. He is affected by the place in which he lives. Look at verse 7, chapter 19. And he said, I beg you, my brothers, my brothers, is how Lot describes these wicked men. I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you and do to them as you please. The words are shocking. Unbelievable, the depravity within Lot's family. He had been affected by the sin of Sodom, so much so that he would offer up his daughters to these wicked men. The relationship between Lot and his daughters destroyed because he was living in Sodom, surrounded by depravity. Is it any wonder that this story ends the way it does? A story of incest between Lot and his daughters at their instigation they grew up in Sodom. 
They had seen the depravity all around them, and it became normal for them. And this text ends with that terrible story of the incest between Lot and his daughters. The relationship with the family is broken. Even, even with his sons-in-law who are going to be married to his daughters, he goes to speak to them and he warns them. And they think he's fooling. They think he's jesting. They don't show him the proper respect, like we talked about this morning, of a father. They grew up in Sodom, surrounded by wickedness. And they were not insulated from that wickedness. It affected Lot. It affected his daughters, his sons-in-law. It affected their entire family. God is a patient judge, but he is also a just judge. And the wickedness of Sodom had to be punished. And so God demonstrates that as well as being patient, as well as being just, he is also a righteous judge. Verse 23, chapter 19. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah, sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. There could be no misunderstanding. The righteous judgment of God visited upon Sodom and Gomorrah. And we read in verse 25, And he overthrew those cities, and all the valley, and all the inhabitants of the city, and what grew on the ground. Everything was destroyed because of the righteous judgment of God. Everything affected. God is patient, God is just, but He is also righteous. And when He comes in judgment, He comes completely and wipes out everything. As I said, it's a, it is a, a terrible story to look at in the book of Genesis. Why, why does God leave us this record of what took place? Well, we see something of that at the beginning of this section, in chapter 18, verse 17. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him, for I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. God says, I'm going to reveal what's going to take place to Abraham so that he can teach his children, so he can teach those coming after him. That God is certainly patient and God is certainly just and He is also righteous and comes in judgment that he might, His children might know and be aware of the fullness of who God is as our judge. It is that same reason that we look at this text tonight. This is not a story that we like to hear. It is a story 
that highlights the depths of depravity. Willing incest. Homosexual relationships. Ugly things to hear. And I assure you, ugly things to preach. But our children are receiving a message from their culture about sexuality. They are receiving a message on the television. They are receiving a message in the movies. They are being told that the homosexual lifestyle is not only to be tolerated, but in many ways is to be preferred. It is normal. It is natural. It is even better than heterosexual relationships. An acquaintance of mine in another state who is a lesbian read a story in the local newspaper, a story of a lesbian couple who were raising a child in their home. And her comment to me was, finally, a story in the paper about a normal family. A normal family. Two women raising their child. Maybe you remember from a number of years ago, I believe it was 2014, the Winter Olympics. There was a snowboarder there, a young man who um, had a wife, he had a small child, and he ended up winning gold in one of the snowboarding events. And this young man with a wife and a child has an article written about him. This was the title of that article. Athletes' alternative lifestyle leads to Olympic gold. His alternative lifestyle. Not even normal. But this young man with a wife and a child was the alternative. God has given us His law, and our children need to hear that. They're going to hear the other things on TV, they're going to hear it on the news, so they better hear it from their parents, and they better hear it from the pulpit. That God's law is a righteous law, is a just law. And God has said that homosexual relationships and lesbian relationships are an offense against Him. They are an offense against against a holy God. It's bad enough when we hear about this, this better choice, this other lifestyle uh, being praised by the world. It's even worse when the church capitulates to the world. And we're told about loving, committed, monogamous, homosexual relationships as acceptable. Because because that's the way God made me. Our kids need to hear the truth of the Word of God. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? Yes, he will. God is long-suffering. God is patient. But he is also just and he is also righteous and he will not let sin go unpunished forever. But God reminds us tonight 
that when he comes with judgment, it is destruction and complete destruction. So what do we say as a church to those who are struggling with same-sex attraction? Perhaps there are some of you here tonight that struggle with that sin. If you are here tonight and you are a homosexual, if you are here tonight and you are a lesbian, I have the most wonderful news for you. That you, along with every other sinner, can have freedom from that bondage. You, along with every other sinner, all of those who struggle with lust and with anger and with all these other things, all of us, when we confess those sins, can know the assurance of the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. We don't say we're loud and proud and embrace our sin, but we humble ourselves before God, fall down in penitence, and ask that He might forgive us. And when we do so, we are not only released from the slavery, but we are assured that we will have freedom and a life forever with our God. I have the most wonderful news for everyone who is struggling with their sin. God is patient. God is merciful. And He delights to hear the calls of His people when we humble ourselves before Him. When we call out and ask that for the sake of Jesus Christ, He might wash us and cleanse us. Yes, there is judgment, but there is also mercy. Lot was dragged out, but he was dragged out. God was merciful. God was gracious to him. If you are here tonight struggling with life-dominating sin, the gospel is so simple. Repent. Believe. And know the assurance of a new life in Jesus Christ. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? Yes, he shall. He shall be just but he shall also be merciful. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, great and glorious, you are a just God. You are a God whose eyes are too pure to look upon sin. You are a God who will not tolerate any deviation from your holy law. And yet you, O oh God, as well as being just, are also merciful. And we have seen that tonight. In this terrible story that talks about depravity, this story that, that talks about judgment from the heavens, fire and brimstone, you, O oh God, are also merciful. And you are patient and you are kind. And we are so thankful for that. O oh God, if there are those here tonight who are struggling with life-dominating sins, May you move our hearts to confess what we have done, to trust in Jesus Christ, and to know the freedom, freedom from bondage, freedom from slavery, and freedom to walk in a way that is now pleasing in your sight. Oh, Lord God, work mightily, work powerfully in our lives. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.